Okay, right. welcome to Reactive. This is Khalil, and I'm here with Raquel. Hi, everyone. And Henning. Hello, everyone. Hello. What's going on? Uh, well, somebody had a nice uh, mini vacation, I heard, or saw. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, it was so nice. It was so nice. There were no kids. There were no trick-or-treaters. <laughs> Nobody rang my doorbell. It was so great. And... <laughs> Uh, we went to this beautiful, beautiful part of California called Big Sur, and it's um, it's it was we we stayed in a in a trailer in an avion, which is like an airstream, and um, there were like we saw the Milky Way, uh, oh. just like it was like it was so dark at night, and the skies were so clear, we could see the Milky Way. It was unbelievable and then uh we went to the beach and it was just like the most gorgeous beach i've ever seen at least in california and i was just like this is the best i didn't have any connectivity like uh i use t-mobile as my carrier and they just don't have anything in the area so it was so great i could not talk to anyone except for my husband and my two dogs and it was fantastic (laughs) wow off the grid under the stars (laughs) yep Pretty much. Sounds Pretty good. Much. Yeah, I saw some pictures you posted on Twitter. It looked absolutely stunning. Yeah, it was amazing. I couldn't Very take a picture cool. of the Milky Way, though. That was... Yeah. I, d- I don't have that technology. <laughs> and you just have to have a... Well, a camera and a tripod, I guess. That would work. I guess. I yeah. have an iPhone. Eh, which is good. Lay it but... on the ground and... <laughs> 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 anyway. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. How are how are y'all's weekends? Did you have good Halloweens? Um, yeah, we went uh, trick or treating in a. It's so funny. I mean, we went trick or treating in an American neighborhood here. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, mostly Americans, but uh, some Germans. So I, I, uh, I could hear my son when he figured out who it was, or, or you know what language they spoke. He would either say trick or treat or Zeus's Orosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so That's awesome. They had a they had a great time and um got plenty of candy and we were not home for other trick or treaters. So um yeah, was 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 a lot of fun. And other than that, I got the uh now, you know, in comparison to what you experienced, I made our house uh winter proof, so got everything ready. Um, plants inside and stuff like that. So very, very exciting. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I did actually. I stayed at home. My wife went to a uh, uh, to to a Halloween party, and in order to and she so she dressed up and uh, <laughs> in order to do that, I needed to get something out of the the cellar. And it was right at the moment, right at that moment, I, I went, I came up the cellar with like a, two suitcases with stuff in there. And then uh, we have this, the entrance to our house is a, has a door that has glass in it. And there were just like 10 kids standing outside of that door <laughs> and then making noise and seeing me. And they were all excited. I don't know what they thought. Maybe I, you know, have two suitcases of like sweets or something like that. <laughs> And I just, I just fled up to the really, really fast. I just ran up because I, I, my plan was just to shut down and not be available. And then, uh, right at that moment, there were all these kids. So I ran up and then I 
And I right when I opened the door to our apartment, they came. Uh, they came in because the neighbors downstairs opened the door for them. <laughs> uh. So I fled right at the last moment. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but nobody nobody ended up uh, really ringing the bell, so that yeah. was good. Okay, they got the yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are there. Are, I think I mentioned this last time, but I've I've done everything from like putting signs next to the doorbell saying broken to um uh, I'll I'll put up a sign that says uh, ran out of candy. Sorry, um, <laughs> just never <laughs> bought any candy. Like there's yeah. so many ways to avoid it entirely. Um, and they I'm a terrible person. really don't uh, don't ring the bell, or do they? I still mean, do so it? far they haven't, as far as I can tell. Oh, one time I was I felt bad because I had I had opted out of Halloween for so long that I put I filled a a bowl full of candy, put the bowl on a chair, put the chair out in the front yard, like very far away from the front door, and said, "Just take as much as you want." And <laughs> No joke. I come home, like, or like, I look at the end of the night, and there's still candy inside. And I was like, "Who are these people? Like, are they just like the most honest people ever? Like, oh, well, we have two pieces, so everybody can share. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I live in the U.S. It's a, it's a, it's where you're, it's just like a land grab all the time. So why not with candy? I don't understand. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So Halloween, great. I'm glad everybody had fun. <laughs> <laughs> So, what happened in tech this week? Uh, good question. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, so in yeah, so what happened with uh, with Fido actually is the question. So we had some problems with our little command line application that um, that pulls our reviews from iTunes. Right. Yeah, and um, so basically there was something wrong. So I I spent some time. I think was it on. I think it was Halloween night when I was alone at, alone at home. I spent <laughs> it time. was. It was on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw all these pull requests coming in. Or, yeah, or these, I was just I was just furiously trying to fix this stupid thing. <laughs> but basically, what was wrong? It wouldn't run when it was installed globally. Oh and, yeah, and uh, the problem was because we used this. We used Babel, and we used the require hook for Babel. So how that works is that you. You put it into you know your entry file. You put um, Babel. Um, how does it go again? No, requ- require, and then uh, it says in the require thing it says Babel dot net Babel slash register, and what that does it wraps everything that is required in that file into like into Babel, and it transpiles it on the fly, <clears throat> and that works if you use it locally, but it doesn't work. If you use it globally, right? Uh, because it it doesn't by default compile or transpile anything that's under a node modules folder, and you would have to specifically tell it to. And oh, I thought okay. I had tried that um, because you can pass it you can pass it a uh, a bunch of parameters to basically ignore, yeah, you know this default behavior. But that didn't work either. So either I did something wrong or that wasn't working as well. Okay, so I but, thought it's just it just does not do it in global or whatever. That no, reading possible. reading this again, it seems like that's what it what it was. But I think we we sort of decided anyway that transpiling yeah. it on every run all the time on the fly is is is, is crappy anyway for the performance. So why not yeah. just pile it, it? It's definitely not noticeable. So so we trans we started transpiling. 
um, uh, pr what pre and pre publish. So we're using the pre publish uh, script lifecycle no npm lifecycle hook basically. And mm -hmm. whenever whenever um, we the thing gets published, then it transpiles the ES6 files to ES5, and it only pub publishes the ES5 files and only puts the ES6 source files uh, into GitHub. Um, and uh, and yeah, and so so that worked. And then um, it, as, because I didn't really, I didn't put in all the dependencies in the package JSON. It only worked for me and not for Henning. So he had to put some dependencies back in and da, 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 da. So there was some back and forth. And then, and then, um, Silis in from our Slack chat came in and he also, he just, he uh, exchanged, he threw some stuff out and put some, he, he basically improved the whole setup a little bit. And now, and he he started um, uh, implementing it with promises, and is so. And what we wanted to do now, we wanted to go a step further further and use async await, which is this, uh, which is a possibility that you get with ES seven or ES twenty sixteen to um, to do asynchronous programming synchronously, basically by just using those two keywords, async and await. And um, and that didn't work with the newest version of Babel, which is at version six just now, but it's still kind of kinks being like stuff that needs to be worked out. So he went back to, uh, we decided to go back to 5.8 and now it seems to be working and stuff like that. So lots of stuff happening in the FIDO world. Yeah, exciting. I mean, a lot of new, um, you know, things that I learned just by watching this stuff uh, get committed, uh, new things that I didn't know about, specifically node modules, and just, uh, you know, observing the communication between whoever's involved on Slack is, is extremely helpful to, to me at least, um, not knowing that much about it, uh, just to learn new things. Um, so can highly recommend anyone that's interested just to... Listen in and uh, yeah, and I think you help. said you you were working on like a little node thing yourself for work or something, and you also you also did you get a little bit more comfortable with with finding node modules? Yeah, absolutely. So I was working on a, a command line app um, that I just decided I didn't want to do in PHP, and I started doing it in in with Node, and I used Yargs, and um, was really really cool how you basically can build up uh, similar you know sub commands with subcommands just like npm or um, git and it makes it very very nice to break it up into uh, individual files and basically split things out and make it more modular uh, and it's actually yeah it was just a lot of fun mostly probably because it's you know something new to do and uh, the searching for modules I basically followed the advice that uh, uh, the two of you gave me last time and I did a little bit of reading and it works really well um, so I kind of always end up, and and this is something that you said, you know, with modules from people that sort of start to ring a bell after a time. Obviously, mm -hmm. um, Syndra was one, and then the funny thing is, I found one. I think it's a coworker of yours, uh, yeah. Alexandru Vladutu. Mm -hmm. I I needed something to get the folder size. That's what I was trying to do, and he has this module uh, get folder size. And his avatar immediately seemed familiar, and 
So he, you know, he's written a book on Express and he's, he's pretty well-versed well on Node. So I was like, okay, I trust that one. And uh, yeah, so, so really cool. It was a, was a fun experience. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's great. Sweet. Yeah. So um, what's going on with this whole heart situation here on Twitter? Like so many people have got their... Nickers in a twist, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> there's, there's like a hashtag for it. Come on. Oh my gosh, I so I use I use Tweetbot, so and they and they still use the the star favorite thing. So as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> I I yeah. <laughs> but but at the same time, I saw some really interesting arguments. Right, like there were a few people who were really upset. Uh, because the word like is something that's associated with Facebook. And the whole point of Twitter is that it's not Facebook. And so people were upset because it was reminding oh. them of the other uh, <laughs> social network. And they were like, Mer. and then another thing that people didn't like about the hearts was because it was too emotional. Like a heart means something like you care or you are in love or you like this. Whereas a favorite doesn't have that extra level of like that nuance of emotion. And I think a lot of people use favorites as bookmarks. Um, I, I use favorites as like a, yes, I think this is awesome or whatever. Um, or you know, thanks for replying yeah, to my tweet. Or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I saw I saw the tweet or something. Yeah, that's. I don't know. I think people are overthinking that. But I mean, there's so many other services that use hearts too, right? I mean, Medium has hearts. Inst- uh, Instagram does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh well, I think yeah, the the animation is is cute, so <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> What is the animation? I like. I, I literally a, don't even know. Oh, go well, to, an, I think it's a, it's a grayed out heart or an empty one, and then you click on it, and it sort of you know it, it like does a heartbeat, and some sparkles fly out, and it turns red. So <laughs> yeah, you oh can see, you can see you can see it in action <laughs> on the Twitter page, like on Twitter. It's like little fireworks. It's it's cool. I like it. I like it. I think this is comical. Like, uh, uh, so on Daring Fireball, there's like a, one of his posts, and then Dave Weiner he wrote something. Oh, like is a problem. Uh, you may have favorited something about a terrorist group, but would have clicked on a red heart at the very least. That's going to take some. What the fuck? And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and, he's, and then Gruber writes. A lot of people, including me, have used favorite on Twitter, both for marking tweets we liked, enjoyed, and as a sort of bookmark for tweets we simply want to refer to later. Using a red heart implies affection in a way that a star, or even a thumbs up, does not. This wouldn't be a problem if Twitter were new or if likes were a new feature that replaced favorites, but that's not what they're doing. They're renaming... <clears throat> Favorites to likes, which means every tweet you favorited start in the last nine years is now liked hearted instead. <laughs> and that is now a problem. In which way? I, 
mean, I mean, how is like it's not going to be treated any differently in Twitter. It's just like it's just a data item for them. Now you see what what I think is actually cool is like when you uh, click on a heart. Uh, if you're not using Tweetbot, you can see and uh, use the Twitter clients or the website. You can see how many people liked it, which I think mm -hmm. is cool. You see a little number there. But at the end of the day, I still use it exactly the same way. I use it as a bookmark and I use it as, hey, I just want to let this person know that I saw the tweet and approve of it or something, you know, if, if mm -hmm. they responded or something like that. Or it's a bookmark or it's really just a like, like, it's exactly the same for me. I have no clue what's going on. I think those people just have uh, nothing better to do. <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, uh, people. <laughs> I mean, It's fine, you know. Actually, yeah, no, it's a, it's a little. And I mean, people are also like making jokes about, oh, this is, this is where all this money went to, or blah blah blah, or adventure fun. Like, what ugh. I want to know is what it looked like in the meeting decision. where they decided to do this. They've been probably sweating about this for the last six months or something. You know? Yeah, I'm um, sure they have actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it. It looks like a pretty easy change, but I'm I'm sure that it actually wasn't. I'm there must be data to say why they changed it, right? I mean, we won't ever know what it is, but uh, internally, I mean, I know that like when we change something on NPM, we're sitting there like, oh god, what are the users going to think? Oh goodness, oh goodness, will they like the wombat? But but the wombat's going to like change everything. Will they? Well, I don't know. Ah! <laughs> Oh, wombats wombat is is a big thing though. It's a, it's a different it's different from like if you would have had squirrels and changed them to a wombat, you know? Yeah, that that would have been a pretty big deal. That would be. Whereas in this particular case we didn't even you know, nothing changed really. Yeah. We just added a wombat. Yeah, which is great. Uh, it's a good thing yeah. to do. And everybody should add a wombat. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, and before I forget <laughs> Uh, errata. Last week, I accidentally referred to a wombat as a rodent. It's not a rodent. It's a marsupial. It has a pouch. Um, but its pouch faces, uh, down instead of up because wombats dig. Um, and other fun wombat facts. Anyway, um, did you know that wombats poop in cubes? Okay. Um, <laughs> what? Really? It's true. It's true. Like ice do. cubes? Like, well, no, just, well, yeah, I mean, like, they're cubes. They're, they're, you know, they have sides as opposed to just being round blobs. Anyway, hmm. um, enough about wombat poop. Um, Interesting. I'm, I apologize <laughs> to all of our wombat aficionados who were, who were offended by my, my uh, mistaken uh, use of the word rodent to uh, refer to a wombat. I was incorrect, and I will do my best not to make that mistake mistake again uh thank you for calling me out on it um and yeah okay carrying on <clears throat> well done yeah good good yeah, correction good. i have to tell up. my son about that poop that'll be a conversation <laughs> <laughs> a long time. i mean it'll last for i mean then you just sit there and at, like think like why like why did the wombat evolve to have poop like that and i, I don't and yeah there are lots of theories uh one of them is They poop on on hillsides a lot, and they just don't want it to like you know roll. Um, anyway, uh, so other things that happened on the internet this week. Uh, do 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 do. Uh, you wrote a good article um, about exercise. Uh huh. Oh, 
Thank that you. I liked a lot. Yeah, that was good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a blog post that's been in my head for a while, but it it was um, it took me a while to actually sit down and write it because I've just been so busy this year, and so finally I like. I gave my last talk of the year in Colombia, and then I like I took a week off of just like staring into space. It was fantastic, uh, and then and then I was like, okay, it's time to write some stuff again. And this was the first thing at the top of my head. Um, and so, thank you, I appreciate that. It's non-technical, yeah. but you know, <laughs> right? But basically, it's a it's an article about exercise for those who haven't seen it. Um, and uh, I think the reasons you gave on, you know, I think this is one of the best reasons to exercise um, mm-hmm. other than, you know, feeling good. But that's something that uh, if you're in good shape, <clears throat> that you are, you know, better equipped to uh, fend off any kind of injuries or illnesses much quicker than if you're in miserable shape. So, yeah, that was just a good yeah. reminder, something that I, I don't know. I need lots of reminders and help to get, like, get going again. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of really positive responses on Twitter uh, along those same lines. Like, I really, I like, like someone tweeted at me that they like woke up and were like, I, you know, I'm not feeling too great. I think I'm just gonna like hang out on the couch and watch Netflix or whatever. And then they read my post and they were like, and then I would decided to go for a five mile ride. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> oh goodness. Um yeah, no, that was it was good. I'm I'm excited to be writing more again. Uh so stay tuned for more blog posts um and Excellent. other forms of writing. Um Oh, so yesterday I'm I'm like coding along, whatever, you know, doing my job, and uh I use ES formatter. Uh, in Sublime Text, and so ES Formatter is a, it's an automatic formatting tool for JavaScript, and so it's so like there's a huge discussion about uh, a library called Standard, which um, you basically run it in your code base, and it standardizes your code so that you no longer have to argue about semicolons or spaces versus tabs or whether there should be a space after the word function but before the paren. Um, and it's kind of nice because, you know, people can just kind of run that and it doesn't matter how you code, how you style your code at the end of the day, the code will all be the same throughout the code base. Um, I don't like standard itself, uh, just because I really do like semicolons, especially because my team does JavaScript on the front end and the back end. Um, I don't know. There's just something I really like semicolons. I don't really care. I'll do whatever your code base says to do, whatever. But me personally, I prefer semicolons. Um, so we use ES Formatter, which just kind of auto formats everything for you. Um, but Sublime totally, I don't know what happened, but the, the plugin like freaked out on me and I couldn't like, I couldn't edit my code. Like it like auto formatted all of my edits and undid them. <laughs> Like in real time, I was like, I try to like write a word, like, you know, date. And then it would just like erase itself. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is nice. going on? It's really creepy. I have no idea. Sorry, so like, it, this, this plugin actually, 
it actually formats the code or it complains when you make a or a, a violation, a style violation? No, it automatically formats it for you. Okay. So you can just like so on save, it'll just automatically like ah, okay. take out spaces or uh, put everything in a new line. Like it'll do f- uh, fancy formatting for objects and or you know JSON, etc. Um, so I'm like freaking out, and I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I've been needing an excuse to go back to Adam for. Uh, you know, just to try it again. Maybe, maybe I, I spoke too soon when I was like, I don't really like Adam, whatever. Uh, so I tried to switch over and I spent the next like half an hour trying to like set everything up. It's so hard to hot switch an editor. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, this is the worst because I hated the colors. I'm a, I'm a white background type of coder. Not a like dark gray or black background. I just find the contrast to be too hard. But like every single white theme, like light colored theme, was like the contrast was terrible. Or they'd put like a a salmon pink colored highlight behind all strings. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? I can't <laughs> read my code. I can't read my code. I can't handle this thing. <laughs> and just all of the little things that I needed my editor to do, it just couldn't do it quickly. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I was just like, forget it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I continue to be in the, I'm not going to be using Adam camp. Yeah. Well, that, oh, to be, yeah. to be honest, that was a bad way to try to try Adam. though. <laughs> <laughs> you to, when you're in a hurry, you don't want to, <laughs> you just wanted to work. Like all you I needed to do to was work. fix ES format or, Throw that out, and then you would be fine. Would yeah. Be fine. Do, are you aware of semi standard? Uh, yeah, I okay. am. And I that am. that was it, not uh, good either for for you. Um, I think semi standard came in after we decided to use ES formatter okay. as like our. So it it was really more of a we made our decision. We're done. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh but yeah. Those two, they don't. They don't enforce the same type of style guide can't you configure these to do or or i guess i guess i'm not quite understanding what these things are because the way i understand formatters or or coding style enforcers is you can usually configure them you know to some kind of known guideline and then Mm -hmm. you know even make your own rules and it then enforces those. So what, what are these two things that you guys are mentioning? Uh, st- standard is basically, um, it's a linter, but also a code formatter, if I am, if I am yes. aware. Yes, you're correct. <clears throat> so it uses ESLint internally to lint your code. So it will definitely, like, you're, you're, if you use an ESLint plugin in your editor, it will, it will show you the lint errors. And then it there's also I don't what are are they using ES formatter or is, I think somebody wrote something to do the formatting automatically is that could that be? I don't remember I, I have no idea <clears throat> yeah I think yeah. somebody uh, wrote wrote a formatter for a standard to format the code and uh, so it does both but I th- don't know if it does it um, right away on on save or if you have to trigger it or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what was I going to say? Uh, so some, some, so the nice thing about uh, standard, at least from my understanding, is that there are no customizations really. 
Uh, and the benefit of that is you don't have to worry about whether or not somebody has. So like, for example, JS Hint is extremely customizable. But if you have a different JS Hint RC than somebody else, then you're still kind of SOL. Like you're, you're still kind of uh, both sides will think that they're doing the quote unquote correct thing. Uh, but they will disagree inherently because the the RC is is different uh, between the two. Um, it's like you know the rules are different, therefore they won't actually uh, match necessarily. Um, so the beauty of standard is is you don't have those arguments at all. Um, and I I don't know. I feel like I, I mean this is this is open for a larger discussion, obviously, but. Who gets to decide? I mean, I guess it's the project manager, like the manager of of whatever code base, um, and keeping the same uh, rules. I don't know. It can get kind of weird. I mean, I think when it comes to projects, it's good to have like an ESLint um, RC or JSINT RC, and and then maybe have a. You know, there's also JavaScript code style. So if you use JS Hint, you might want to use JavaScript code style RC as well, because that you know you can do uh, more granular things with that when it comes to just how you put your spaces and stuff. And ESLint does everything in one. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so far for projects, like if you have if you have the agreement that you, you decide on a style and there are many, you know, like presets and code styles out there that you can use that make sense that are very common sense. Like for instance, the Airbnb one, which is ours is based on and you just decide, okay, we're just going to use that, you know, and maybe we'll have like two changes or so. We configure those into the ESLint. There's everybody has the same ESLint RC in the, in the repo. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, in their project because it's in the repo. You don't have a gro- global one. You have like every project has one, and then and then you're good. Like I don't like I don't see that big problems there. Like I don't, you know. You, yeah. You have to have to you have to have a consensus though. I mean that's definitely important. If you don't have one, mm-hmm. you need like a team lead or whatever who can make a decision like that. But yeah. I think so for teams it's okay. I mean for for the for the. Compu- the whole JavaScript community overall, it definitely would be great to have just one standard. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's there's some it, there's a lot to be, you know, uh, to like about that. And I would definitely I would enjoy that. And but yeah, kind of like Python has that, right? I mean, there's there's and go. It's yeah. it's yeah, in exactly. the syntax, I think, of the language itself. Yeah, because you yeah. just have less to think about, less to, t- to decide and talk about, and so mm-hmm. you just like this is just this one way to do it. And standard is kind of an attempt to 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 do that and to have like more people just using the same thing. And I think what is controversial though is that they're taking the semicolons out, and I understand why they do that. But but mm-hmm. but semicolons. I think standard is the wrong way for that for that um, style guide because s- using semicolons by def- by de facto is uh, because it's u- because that's how most JavaScript developers write JavaScript. They use semicolons mm-hmm. should be a standard. You know, you should just have that yeah. in. Then I think much more people would. I I think I could have you know I could have advocated that using that. Uh, at at work, for instance, but I could not do that because there was, you know, they don't use uh, the the semicolons and stuff. And I mean, 
now they're semi-standard, but I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's just if you call something standard and you wanna, you wanna put energy behind making something like I said, you want to make a standard style guide for JavaScript. Taking semicolons out, I think, is not a good idea because because then that works exactly against creating a uh, like a global standard for JavaScript because most people already do. It should have lots of it should just have should have like common sense best practices and things that people already do today, and mm-hmm. uh, and semicolons not having them in there is just like a it's just like a um cosmetic thing and 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 it should not like cosmetic deci- decision um uh, is wrong in this case i think and it that is detrimental to this whole effort so yeah 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 no i totally totally agree uh i mean i think the one thing about the standard uh library that that they put together uh was that nobody wins and and that was that was very much a i think that's why so many people have agreed to use it because everyone has to compromise a little bit on something mm. um oh but, but i think I, yeah that makes sense i think i i agree with you that the the semicolons need to stay but i think this is the, yeah this is i understand making compromises on okay we're gonna we're gonna have you know um like a white space between the function name and uh, and the parentheses parentheses or whatever but mm-hmm. the semicolons thing is just too big of a compromise because when you in many teams when you go in there it's just not this not negotiable at all like it's just how we have to it this is how we wrote javascript forever and semicolons has been like is important just for security reasons or whatever right P- the, like and even though that's not necessarily correct, um, th- there I think it's just too too. It's it's not balanced, you know. I think everything else in the style guide is a much smaller compromise than the semicolon compromise, and so I think actually somebody won with that because all the rest is is kind of neglectable, but the semicolons thing, the people who don't like semicolons, they won with standard. Period, because that's the only really big compromise that people need to do, because it's because it's hard, and it's a big compromise. Not and for me, like I don't care about semicolons, but but it is a big compromise when you look at teams in companies, for instance, and and uh, think in open source, whatever you can you can definitely, but the, also there, then you have strong opinions because. Um, because you know aesthetical blah 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 but the thing the thing is semicolons are in the language and i think it's easier to to say to fall on the side of semicolons and just use those than um than taking them out i think it's a bigger step for most people and for most teams because it's just uh it's, it's in the language supposed to be subject. used <laughs> no it, it is it is it is polarizing i understand that but i for me it is really not anything aesthetic I'm just trying to look at it from uh, from. Uh, I'm just like I'm looking at it as like forces, you know. Like when you look at the JavaScript community from far away, and you see, and and you look at it like, and you see, uh, you have people that don't want to write semicolons because it's nicer, and you have to type less. But then there is this huge force that works against it. That is, 
most people that write JavaScript write it with semicolons and, and it's in the language and it's supposed to be used. Right. So this is a huge force that works against it. And then to do is to, to say, okay, we're going to do a standard library that's supposed to standardize all of this JavaScript that everybody's writing, you know, hopefully maybe in 10 years to take out the semicolons is, it's almost like it's, it's a deal defeating breaker. It's, yeah. yeah. It's defeating itself. It's dead on arrival basically, because now yeah. a few people use it in Oakland. But when you look at the rest of the world, like, It's very hard for people to pick that up, I think. And I would love for people to pick that up, but it's, I think it's hard. Yeah, it's too bad because it solves so many problems. I mean, it's uh, you bring in a standard, a third-party standard or something that you know some organization agreed on, and it takes away all these arguments, basically. It's, it's, you're more likely in a team where there's differences to adopt some outside um, standard. I mean, this is what happened in... in in our organization, you know, the PHP standards recommendations. So they have this PR, PSR um, 1 and 2, which are basically style guides. And this is why I asked earlier, you know, can you configure these tools to do this? Because on most of the, the style checkers that I have or that are out there in the PHP space, you basically tell it, okay, enforce either PSR one or two or both, and um, you're good to go. You know, and that's that's the that's the extent of the the configuration, and that's really nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Enough of that. Like... <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, um. So so in our Slack channel, there have been some really fun conversations. Um, and one, one that, that really interested me was a, a conversation about what, what's the first language a new programmer should learn. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Right? And it was like, and everybody had their opinions until we found out. And then until somebody said, well, what kind of programming do you want to do? Somebody, that was you who said that, which was a very well, good question. <laughs> Maybe it was me. <laughs> um, if there's one thing I've learned in the last year or two years, uh, the first question you should always ask when someone is like asking questions is, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Exciting. Uh, yeah. And like, it seems like, like, like such a no brainer question. Like what, what's the problem? But it's amazing how many people will start bringing in their opinions and start coming with solutions before fully understanding the problem. Uh, and so anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so this, this, uh, this person was trying to figure out what, sh- what's the first language they should learn. And uh, I mean, people were throwing out ideas like Python and, uh, PHP and JavaScript and Ruby. And, and then it turned out that the person wants to build desktop applications. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Ruby's not going to help you at all. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, and JavaScript's maybe not necessarily, I mean, you can't do it, but it's not the strongest one in that area. Right. So, exactly. You go the, write Java or C sharp or something like that. Yeah. Or Objective C or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and then uh, that person also started a newbies channel and asked a bunch of questions about, um, like, well, what class should I take? And, 
like their university is is, oh so they're pre pre uh computer science at the moment or yeah just starting that okay yeah and and according to the course listings javascript requires or not javascript java java requires that you already have knowledge of a high level programming language and which is totally not weird to me. Uh, sometimes people use Java as a means to teach programming, but learning a language and learning programming are, t- are two different things, right? Uh, one involves logic and the other one involves syntax. Um, and so it turns out that their introductory programming course is taught in C. And I thought, oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> what, do you, what do you two think? Well, that, that's the same introduction that I got. Is uh, everything started in C, mm-hmm. um, but I never. Well, the university I went to, they did not do Java. It was C and C plus plus. Strangely enough, mm-hmm. um, I think it at this level, it's really hard to recommend anything because it essentially, or in the end, it sort of. I think it gets dictated by what you sort of fall into and what you're. If that's you know going to university. It will prob you will probably you know it the like that uh, question will be answered for you and if you're starting a job probably similar you know you're gonna mm. if you're in a in a in a um, in a junior role you know you'll probably come in and you're gonna get into some shop which is going to you know do programming language X and it's not really gonna be your choice um, and. <laughs> Yeah, but what's yeah. good though is that that uh, she knows that exactly what she wants to do already, and um, so she wants to write desktop applications, and that's great because now this can be kind of a little bit of a guide, right? So C is definitely good to to understand like the, um, I think it's C. I think would be good universally just to because it also kind of helps you to understand how computers work. And mm-hmm. and to just to start out is fine, and then and then she you know we found out the right um, we we found out what she wanted to do, so she got she gets all this advice you know okay well then you know you have to go in one of those languages, and she now already she can't make the mistake to 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 learn maybe web development technologies, and then you know ends up having to write you know software for websites what she really doesn't want to do maybe. And yeah. so I think this is really cool. Like if you know, because when I started out learning programming, I learned Java and I really didn't know, I know I liked it, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I ended up in, in web development because reasons, <laughs> I've really no idea. <laughs> it turned out to be like that, you know? And, um, uh, oh, because of an internship that I did in an agency and it was just like, something that worked out like that and I learned about a CMS that you you know was built with PHP and I learned that so that's how I basically got my entry into um into web development but before that I only did java and uh and yeah so and so I had to find my way and if I would have known from the beginning you know that I wanted to end up in web development I could have done a lot of stuff during university time um that would have made me a much better developer by the end of the, you know, the studies and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you know that already, it's great because you can steer a little bit at least, you know, direction you go. I think especially later on. Yeah, yeah and I think 
asking these questions now in this um, Slack chat is actually a huge, huge benefit too with, you know, a bunch of people with very different experiences uh, giving advice. And I think you're absolutely right. It can eliminate a whole range of things that you, you know, mistakes you don't have to make and lose a lot of time. You can maybe focus on, you know, a few things instead of, you know, yeah. getting lost in, in this forest, basically. Yeah, the thing is, it's just a, such a software development. It's just so such a big field. And if yeah. you can narrow it, the earlier you can narrow down which direction you want to go, <clears throat> the better, because you can really concentrate on getting good in that specific part of it and then find your niche inside of there. And then and that's really good. I think it's really important to to be really, really good at something in, in that field, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm haven't done anything in desktop forever. Um, is is maybe Microsoft a good choice there to get you know a quick, um, uh, basically a you know um, a quick win with their their tooling is usually extremely good and yeah. probably their whole integration with Windows itself is probably not bad either. So you could probably get somewhere pretty quickly. I'm totally just guessing right now. I don't know. Yeah, well, my argument was, um, so first of all, I always, I like telling people to use the tools that they have. Um, so if you already have a Windows machine, then yeah, building desktop apps for uh, Microsoft makes a lot of sense. But uh, and like, so like if you have a Windows machine already, but want to build apps for uh, Mac, then you have to go buy a Mac and that's, you know, a huge cost uh, okay. and vice versa. If you already have a Mac and you want to build, uh, like you might as well just focus on building apps for uh, Mac. But uh, that said, um, the the benefit of learning something like C is that it is the core of uh, C++, C Sharp, and Objective-C, which will get you all of the desktop applications you need right now, hypothetically, right? And um, so that's kind of cool. Um, but at the same time, C itself is not going to be enough. But if if you're just if you're using C to kind of understand, well, you know, this is what a pointer is, and this is how computers work, and um, I think that's a really great introduction. Uh, my first programming language was C plus plus. My dad, poor thing, tried to teach me Visual Basic, um, but that that didn't work. Uh, I think it was because my first project was a calculator, which I was like. There's already a calculator application. Why would I need to build one for myself? <laughs> um, and yeah. uh, <laughs> so, so that didn't make any sense. But uh, I did take uh, in high school. I took a computer science class, and it was in C plus plus. And then, uh, and then in college, my very first programming class was actually in Scheme, which was the worst thing ever because I already had learned C plus plus and the functional programming way of thinking and the object oriented programming way of thinking are two completely different ways of thinking. So if you learn one, then the other one is just going to be painful. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. It just, it's, it's a, it's an interesting way of looking at computer languages and looking at computers and thinking about how we make these machines do what we want them to do. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, but how did you decide to, to start, you know, with what was it? C or C plus plus? C++. Was it a, a conscious uh, choice you made or was it something that, you know, you were it was, in a program? It was the only... Well, so uh, I knew that I wanted to build robots. 
and I knew that in order to build a robot, I needed to take some sort of computer. I needed to, I needed to do some software development, right? Because the robots are divided into three parts. There's the mechanical part, the electrical part, and the software part. So um, I was terrified of the electronics, and we didn't really have any sort of classes for that in high school. So I took uh, advanced placement computer science, which um, it, anyway. Um, so and and the only option there was C plus plus. The whole course was was presented in C plus plus, and so you didn't really have a choice. It was all right. We're going to do C plus plus now. Uh, a year later, they changed it to Java. So if I had waited a year, I would have had to take it in Java instead. Um, <clears throat> I'm really happy I did it in C plus plus because then by the time I got to college and joined the robotics team, they were already using C plus um, plus. So that was kind of just a nice coincidence. Um, but that said, I, you know, since then I've had to learn all sorts of other languages and really, like I said, there's a huge difference between programming and syntax. And if you learn programming, no matter what the syntax is later, when you need to learn a new syntax, the programming is already there. Now you're just learning, you know, uh, what's, how do you write a for loop? How do you write an if-then statement? Um, it's it's not it's a lot easier when you already know how to program and you just need right. To the next the language words. is going to come much much easier. Yeah, right. But I mean, right. what you experienced was kind of the point I was making, I guess. Is and, yeah. and maybe this person should uh, find out what the classes that she might be interested in mm-hmm. are going to be taught in, and then that might also be a good idea to start there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. Depends on how much effort you want to put in, I guess. Also, right? Um, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I, there were all sorts of people when I was in, in computer science. There was, you know, they had never done anything before, and they just did the bare minimum to get through the class. And then there was others that were, you know, writing programs on the side and doing all sorts of things. Uh, so it it v- very much depends on the person too. I think. Yeah. I don't know if that's very helpful. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I mean, you, you talk about this and it's sort of think about all the things you went through to get where you are now. It's it's crazy. I mean, the amount of stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah. as a new person, it must really, really be overwhelming. I mean, it's incredible. Oh, it's totally overwhelming. Yeah. I, I think about the people I work with who have been doing this for like 20 years, right? And And they're like, well, you know, 10 years ago, programming was easier like programming for the web was easier because like we didn't have all these frameworks for example and we didn't have you know all these other stuff like html 3.0 or whatever and i'm like i don't understand (laughs) (laughs) like it, it just as technology advances there's just more and more and more stuff and unfortunately the old stuff doesn't always go away so like you you it, like if if you're just joining it feels like you're constantly trying to catch up um whereas somebody who's been doing it consistently the whole time they're just adding more things onto their plate and it's like well i've already seen this let me just add this let me just add this whatever no big deal um though i'm sure for them it is also just as daunting cuz it's like ah there are like seven new javascript frameworks this week which one do i pick now um anyway uh <laughs> Yeah, so. but, but the 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 thing though too that I mean there's new stuff coming, but also a lot of it is repeating itself. And if you have a really good C um, CS back 
background, then um, that's really helpful because you can you can identify the things that are that are popping up. For instance, there was this in JavaScript frameworks you had um, you know MVC or MVStar because model view controller didn't really work, but it was a lot of frameworks that were just very inspired by MVC. And if you know you know MVC came from Smalltalk and you know, if you read, there's an old MVC paper. And if, so, you know, if you had that background, you could see, you could identify, oh, this is this pattern. And it's just like, you know, repeating itself and interesting or not interesting or whatever. And now functional programming is kind of making its way, has a renaissance in, in, in front of development and, um, also very old, right? And, uh, and stuff. And it's, and it's a lot of this, like, and React and, principles in reactive programming and and then closure script like they all you know they kind of try to um to do very similar or do they just do very similar things or have similar building blocks and it's really good to to kind of get familiar with those kind of basics that that all came came from the 70s and 80s or maybe even earlier i'm not sure um and um because yeah, uh, but but it's true. But when it comes to web development or when it comes to front end development, especially, I think uh, it has become more complex because just the browser get, got more capable, and now it's not just front end development what it was before. So many JavaScript, uh, many Java developers, for instance, back end developers are very used to, um, or were used to, you know, the front end being super simple. Uh, compared to the systems that they were writing with Java, um, <clears throat> and now are a little bit, um, you know, overwhelmed with what's happening in the front, in the front end. Um, but what's definitely, but what you, what you can see is that there's just a lot of the principles that have been useful for backend developers or for system developers are now um, just made their way into 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 the front end because because those principles were there in the back end in the systems to manage complexity and it has become very complex in the front end so all those principles now come also to the front end and that's just it and it's just software development and it's just it, you you won't be able to get by with some of the stuff that you were able to get by you know 10 years ago in the front end but it also means that you are a more skilled software developer or you are actually a software developer when you write front-end code often today. So there's a lot of, you know, patterns that repeat itself, which is interesting to see. And I think if you, yeah, if, if you're uh, having, if you have a good CS background, it helps, it helps you everywhere. And if you want to hear a really good story about exactly that, you should listen to the descriptive podcast with uh, Jafar Hussein. Yeah. Um, he talks a lot about these kind of topics and also about um, non you know computer science related topics that are required to make projects successful and really really good listen it's um a little over two hours so uh, you need a little bit of time but uh, that answers I think a lot of you know these things that you had just explained as well yeah so. yeah it is true and it really explains. <clears throat> you know how he kind of he learned about object oriented programming and he really really like tested the tested the, those those paradigms out and like he was very motivated by just elegant code and 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 structuring things in an elegant way and then at some point he got into also functional programming and then 
all this stuff. So <clears throat> there is uh, like this whole path from the beginnings until now and how it all comes together. It's very beautifully explained. So yeah, it could be also for beginners, I think, could be a very interesting. Uh, yeah, that's I think definitely because he talks a lot about his failures and, and the, just the kind of things he learned. And, and that is, I think, important for, for any software developer at any, almost any level. Um, you know, to understand and just to hear from uh, from someone when it's told so well. And I thought the, the the interesting thing there too is he also explained how things you know constantly repeat themselves, <clears throat> how the things from the past become fashionable again and uh, are discovered again. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and basically, yeah. what he said was that what I liked. The quote was, uh, "So things repeat itself from the past; they come back." But and we do them again, but we do them better today. Yep. We do them again better, which is something like that. Which was uh, which was interesting. Was an interesting uh, perspective because many people are kind of like, you know, uh, I don't know how to express that notion in English, but they're like, oh, it's just the same thing, you know. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah. But it is actually it is and it isn't, and you know, it is yeah. complicated. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I think it's uh, we're at the end of our show almost. I, I, believe, I would yeah. I would just like to send um, you know a rest in peace to Object Observe because it has been pulled from uh, the ES7 spec. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you got me rest worried. in peace from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, JavaScript. Ja- ja- <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just saw uh, somebody said to you know tweeted out uh, object observe observe is dead and it is uh, seems to be dead. It has been pulled from the ES7 spec. It was supposed to land in ES7, and uh, so how this works. And I think this is also something that I saw in an, or heard on yeah I heard in an interview with with Joffer Hussein as well. Is that in the in the you know ECMAScript committee there is there is like com- companies and people championing certain features they want to have in JavaScript, and Object Observe Observe kind of lost support because Object Observe was something that you would have needed you need for like an MVC structure um, uh, framework where you you want to observe you want to observe a model. And it could be like a very complex, just a very complex kind of uh, JavaScript ob- object with lots of properties and nested properties and stuff like that. And whenever something changes, you want to know so that you can you can uh, tell the view uh, in the DOM that you know this thing changed. And this is a very is it like right now it's an expensive operation if you have a big complex object and you want to find out if something deep you know nested in the belly of this object has changed like you have to every time something could have changed like you need to go through the whole object and it's just an expensive operation and that's why uh people started moving to uh immutable uh immutable data structures where you always know when when there is a new object representing your model you know something 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 changed and you can check that very easily because you only have to check the reference to the model and if it's still the same nothing changed and if and if it's a new reference to to that um to that model or to that object then um 
it means oh something changed i need to you know render my view again or something like that and that's this combined with you know react which has got very popular which by itself only only um changes the things in the dom that actually changed in that in that object and so forth like the virtual dom thing kind of made object observe a little bit obsolete and less important as a feature and uh, it seems like literally nobody is really trying to uh, to to push that into the spec anymore and um they were closely working with po with the polymer people because they were kind of depending on that and had a polyfill for object observe but even that is somehow like they moved to a different thing with their new implementation of pol polymer so it also lost their support so yeah that's what's that's what up with what's up with object observe all right six feet under not up anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's what's down that's what's yeah. down <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah all right i think uh that's it right yep um yeah. do we have any new people in the oh. slack we have Gregor, actually. <clears throat> Gregor joined from the hoodie team. He And also, oh yeah, and also Glenschler. So shout out to Glenschler and Greg, Gregor. Gregor. I don't know how to... Like, I want to see Gregor. I want to say its name in a German way. Gregor. But how uh, how do you say it, Raquel? In, like, how do we pronounce? Um, I say Gregor. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think Gregor. Gregor. Gregor, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, depends on on you know where he's from. I don't, I don't know. Wait, didn't you have him on the show? Yeah. So shouldn't you know how to pronounce his name? <laughs> no, I know how to pronounce his name in, in you know in German. It's just Gregor. Oh. And that's how I introduced him to also on the show. I just I just uh, said it the German way. Well, then I. Then save that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I was just like when I, the, the the problem is when I talk when I talk English, then uh, like it kind of throws me off when then I suddenly you know. Gregor, Gregor, I guess a, would be would be the appropriate. So here's the Gregor. thing, right? Like, like my name officially is Raquel, but mm -hmm. nobody can do that because rolling R's is hard, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so I go by like I'm, I'm okay with Raquel, but the number of ways that people have pronounced my name, uh, given their background, is so funny. <laughs> so funny. When I when I first uh, lived in Germany, uh, I was working for a grad student, and she she thought my name was was Rackle, and I was like, <laughs> Nope, not my name, not my name at all. And then there are other people who are like Raquel, yeah. and I'm like, That's so definitely not my name. <laughs> Or uh, Rachel or Rochelle or whatever. And I'm just like, there's no sh sound in my, like, no. And anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah, just, yeah. All right. Also, shout out yeah. to Glenn Scheller and uh, <laughs> Gregor. I think that's the right way to say it, right? Okay. Nice. That sounds great. Yeah, Love okay. it. All right. Love it. Awesome. That must be the correct way to yeah, say it. Yeah, unfortunately, no new reviews. So, um Fido came up empty. Oh, <laughs> people! We need reviews. We need to dominate in iTunes via yes. reviews. Go and write some nice words about us and five yeah. stars. Always the five yeah. stars. If you hate this podcast, don't write a review. Stop listening. Go away. <laughs> yeah. If you hate, stop hate listening. If you love it. Yeah, yeah. Don't hate listen. That's weird. Um, 
But if you love it, tell your friends about it and uh, give us good reviews and come join our Slack channel because uh, it really is it's it's shaping up to be a really nice community in there. Um, uh, at least I I like lurking in it and and hanging out and talking to people. So definitely come join totally us. Totally agree. Yep. Hang out. Um, all right. So I guess that's that's it and stuff. Y'all can find me on Twitter, uh, Rockbot. Rockbot. Uh, or- a rockbot, <laughs> uh, or uh, or on on Slack, yeah. Cool, very um, good. Khalil tweets uh, on the Twitters. Uh, you can also find us um, at a Reactive Pod on Twitter and in the Slack. Always in the Slack. All right, I'm uh, H Glattergots, and I my name doesn't have that problem. The only place I've H. heard it. Say, well, no, no, my first name. Uh, I was in Sweden, but other than that... Oh, Henning, Sweden. How, how did they try to pronounce it? Henning. Oh. So they, they, they have put a big pronunciation on the on the two ends, but uh, other than that, in German, it's the same as in English. And, oh. I don't oh. know. Anyway. Disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Heening. He hadn't Heening. thought of Heening. Yeah. He, Heening. No, it's it's pretty obviously Henning. Yep. Anyway, okay. All right. Talk That's all, to you folks. next week. <laughs> all right. Bye. Cheers. Bye.